We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful, beautiful friend. Thank you for being part of my day. I'm so honored to be spending some time with you here on Empower Radio. So how is your relationship with your physical self? I didn't always believe this, but these days I think of our body as a sacred vehicle and a tuning fork for our spirit. If you're aligned with your soul and you're on your divinely sanctified path and living a life of great purpose and great love, this tuning fork is vital, vibrant, gracious, and a loved and loving servant. And if we're not aligned, if we're living a life of disconnection, judgment, disrespect, or fear, our bodies will eventually give us feedback in the form of health challenges or dis-ease. My guest today recently released an empowering book and workbook where he gives us an opportunity to consider, investigate, and explore habits, traits, and the emotional links to our health conditions. We're so fortunate to have with us Dr. Cola Franceschi, and he, like me, believes in the inside-out approach. Dr. Cola Franceschi says that rather than seeking outside sources of healing, we should look within for answers for ourselves. By turning our focus inward and reviewing our struggles without being a victim and without judgment, we can begin to understand the role we've played in the creation of our own pain discomfort, and health challenges. So if you're ready to take greater responsibility in your life, know yourself more deeply, love yourself more authentically, and truly transform your health and life, this show and his book, The Grand Purpose, A Radical Scientific Approach to Healing, is for you. Dr. Mark Colafranceschi is a graduate of the National College of Health Sciences and holds a degree in human biology and doctorate of chiropractic. He is an educator and speaker who motivates and provides hope through his innovative approach to healthcare. He's also the author of a powerful mind-opening book and heart-expanding guide called The Grand Purpose, a radical scientific approach to healing. Dr. Cola Franceschi believes that healthcare is universal and has no boundaries. He believes that we are all equals and there's no gray area when it comes to the equality of our ability to heal. So Dr. Cola Franceschi, thank you for being with me for a second show of Journey to Center. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited again. Yes, I am so excited. I adore you completely, respect you, and appreciate you so much. And to be able to share you with um, our listeners here at Empower Radio is uh, an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. Thank you. So you say something. I'm going to start here. You believe that healthcare is universal and has no boundaries. So often I get in these conversations with people it's like, uni- uh, healthcare should be a universal right. And you say it is, that we're all equals, there's no gray, gray area, and we all have the ability to heal. Can you expand on this a little bit? Yes, it's um, it's pretty profound. Uh, what what we do in in medicine, whether it's holistic or mainstream medical approach, is we generally focus on the sick people, and oftentimes 
by ignoring why healthy people don't get sick when they're amongst germs or microbes or whatever. You know, I take a really simple example of your kid coming home from daycare and you getting sick or not getting sick. We tend to focus on the people that get sick versus the people that are exposed to microbes or challenges that don't get sick. And what I've spent the majority of my of my practice doing is focusing on healthy people. Why do those 20% of people that are exposed to the same microbes that everybody else is exposed to not get sick? And and this this will this goes out to every aspect of of our being and this is where the equality comes in. There are people that are exposed to violence and poverty and alcohol alcoholism and abuse in different settings. And a good percentage of them don't succumb to those patterns. And again, what we focus on is, oh, they were, they, they, they were brought up in a dysfunctional or abusive family. That's why they are the way they, the way they are. The reality is, is it doesn't need to be that way. There is a good percentage of people that are resilient that don't succumb to that. And with health, it's the same thing. Health and health care is universal in that we're all dealt a set of cards that um, that determines our genetic makeup, which is a small aspect of who we are and what we are. I think it's somewhere between 20, 30, maybe 40% at the most. I use the analogy of a poker hand. You might be dealt a really crappy poker hand, bad genetics, and still have a winning hand. It's what you do with it. And so from that perspective, and there's a lot of other tangents and aspects to it, I believe our choices, and when we internalize and when we look at the challenges and the issues that come along with our health challenges, and our health challenges I incorporate with financial challenges, relationship challenges, and health challenges, to be opportunistic in that we can all heal and change. We all have the opportunity. And again, you know, referring back to your books, it's it's that same process. It's internalizing by taking those opportunities and and um, and making them about us and, and learning. And that's, I think, what we're here to do. We're here to grow and expand as souls. And um, I think most of us have been taught to, you know, uh, behave, get good grades, do what your parents tell you. We were taught to live from the outside in. And it can often take, and you say this in your book, us falling to our knees and um, uh, going through great pain to finally wake up, you know, to, to kind of crack open. That was certainly the case for me. And um, Zen has a saying, and they're teaching, pain is the universal great awakener. Pain, from your perspective, is purposeful. I think it can bring us back to our soul if we use it as information rather than try to kill the messenger. Correct. It's, and, and, that's, and that's tied into so many addictions Yes. and that level of stuckness when we want to blame, again, on genetics, luck, or chance mm-hmm. and, and not take that opportunity to become stronger. Yes. And you say something article. that I haven't heard before that I find to be interesting and radical. You claim any illness is actually a hidden addiction. Can you tell me more about that? Absolutely, yes. I, I think what what's happened is our society has identified so many different addictions and labeled so many different addictions and 
and connected that with disease, which is a whole different topic. And if we look at that process of being addicted to something where whether it's alcohol or food or behavior, it leads to pain. It leads to whether it's financial relationships or health pain. Now, when it comes to our health, we don't see those connections. We don't see how a food or a behavior has that connection to leading us to overeating, overstimulating, and, and that, that process of becoming sick. Our medical system is stuck on the proximate, identifying the symptoms, labeling the condition, and saying it's this virus or it's this inflammation that's causing your problem, instead of saying what caused that inflammation. Yeah, go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, let's get and to the core it, of this. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really taking that saying, missing the forest for the trees, mm-hmm. missing the trees for the forest, and, and taking that those steps back to identify what it is that led you to choose those behaviors, that food. And a lot of times, because I've I've processed and I've talked and debated and had questions from a lot of intelligent people, a lot of educated people. And a lot of times they'll say, well, they're not educated on whether this food is bad and this food is good. And I say, not so. I, I, I remember growing up amongst Europeans that had very little to no education that were exposed to margarine. And they say, there's no way I'm putting this food in our body. <laughs> Something's so, wrong with this. <laughs> some, some, exactly. Something, something in my gut. And, and see, what I, what I essentially believe, and this is, again, not to say that a vice is bad and a virtue is good is that when we have emotional blocks, they're painful. And so what our body tends to do is move away from pain or towards pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so when we don't know why or how something hurts, we don't know the solution or we don't have the correct map on how to address that. We want it. We want that pain to go away. Yes. And how we make that pain go away is with the dopamine, dopamine response with food, alcohol, or other stimulus, whether it's exercise or sex or internet or whatever it might be, and it temporarily masks that pain. Mm-hmm. And so what we fail to do as physicians is identify those characteristics, those patterns, those emotional blocks that lead people to destructive patterns. I went to a seminar, I remember it was about 18 years ago, and this doc, I think his name was Dr. Seaman, and he said, um, he said, uh, if I, if I want to create heart disease, this is what I do. If I want to create Alzheimer's, this is what I do. This is what I eat. This is how I act. This is, this is, this is the formula for creating diabetes, heart disease, whatever the condition is. What we're, what we're focused on is the actual disease and not what created it. And so if, if we understand what creates it, which is emotions, which lead to choices and it, those addictive patterns, man, it's so empowering. So empowering. And something else you get into that I think is just so, so, so very important. And it was a revelation for me when I first stumbled upon this years ago. The words we speak out loud or internally are the start of either health or illness. It's, it's, it's so true. And so, again, and I probably for the first 
18 years of my practice, I would tell people to change your thoughts, change your thoughts, yeah. change your beliefs. And just it's just absolutely impossible to change somebody's thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you change somebody's words, that's the way to get to their thoughts. And the, the exercises that we do, again, take repetition and a deeper understanding to undo the brainwashing that we have with our thoughts and our beliefs. When we look at our opinions, our judgments, and our projections of the world, of our partners, of our coworkers, that directs us right to change. And it's, it's just amazing. And I just love an exercise that you uh, share in your book. Um, when we are projecting or judging someone for something, you have us add a little tagline onto that where you tell us to say, just like me. So I've been practicing that with uh, drivers. Somebody's cutting me off. You're a terrible driver, just like me. <laughs> and then I make myself bust up laughing. <laughs> exactly. And we go and we go a lot deeper with with different states and different characterological patterns that we all exhibit, whether whether it's being controlling or being angry or being a victim or whatever it is. And it is profound when we internalize and those judgments that we make are truly a guide. Because a lot of times, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing this work for so long and I would hear these things, you know, your, your world is just going to mirror back to you. Well, you know, I heard it, it kind of resonated how do I apply it? How do I make that change? Mm-hmm. And that exercise is that shift of how how you see the world, how you see your partner, how you see your coworkers is being a mirror back to you. And if you're making judgments and if you have harsh opinions, then they can only affect you by the fact that those words are going to resonate in every being in your body from a conscious and a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it works. I think from the outside in, in that regard, our thoughts end up affecting our emotions or emotions affect thoughts. And that eventually um, manifests in our bodies. I like the saying, God throws pebble stones, bricks, and then you get a brick wall. And you say from cold to cancer, the cause is the same one has just progressed by the time it's cancer it's a five alarm you know bell going off so yeah the pebble stones bricks and it really does come back to our thoughts our beliefs not necessarily and, and again, germs <laughs> well and and again and and again more importantly that question of how do I change my thoughts? Well, thoughts mm-hmm. happen instantaneously. You can't control a thought. You can't change a thought because of the fact that it happened, it is a subtle vibration of energy. It's real. Just like radio waves are real, a thought is real. Now, once it's manifested, you can't change it. What you can change is the words that you're using to manifest yeah. those thoughts in the future. And that's, uh, that, again, is a, it's a big shift in a, in a, again, a gentle way of saying, huh, these are the words that are coming out of my mouth. Look at my life. Mm-hmm. Because, again, our life is a reflection of uh, our internal dialogue, our internal beliefs. So it is a manifestation. It is a mirror. So I love how you support people in um, being able to see this, take responsibility, responsibility for it, and shift it if they're really ready. Something else you say that took me a long time 
to figure out is that we can't heal anyone else. We can't fix anyone else. All we can do is take responsibility for ourselves. And I got that so clearly. It's like, stop trying to be a healer. Stop trying to fix other people. Just let your life be the living example of what you've learned and what you believe. And as I've done that, people have come to me and have asked me, how, how, did, how did you do this? And then they're receptive. You, you'd say this in your book, you know, don't give advice. Don't tell people what to do until you're asked. That's when they can hear it. Correct. So true. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Just let your life be the living example. Just take responsibility for yourself. Um, yeah. Well, the, 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 the biggest thing, though, I think, or one of the big things is, is allowing things to get messy, allowing, mm-hmm. allowing your vice to surface, allowing the dark side of you to surface and being gentle and okay with it with the purpose of shifting that to change. And so the Pandora's box of healing. Yes. <laughs> so, so generally with the resistance that I see with so many patients that have been frustrated with diets or different approaches from, from other doctors is, is just that approach of, of trying to, to control and fix things from this external framework. Mm-hmm. And when, when we can start to be okay with being a certain way, whether it's fearful or controlling, whatever it might be, that's the start of change. And I believe that a person can't change until they change a characteristic, a trait about themselves that's causing the addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and, yes. and how we go about that is without blame and without guilt and shame, we start to admit aspects of our being by making it internal, again, with the intent of change and making that aspect of our being temporary and specific and not permanent and pervasive. So the reason a lot of people don't admit their faults, their characterological faults, their personality faults, or the fact that they're depressing or controlling is because their fear that people are going to point to them and say, you're bad, you're wrong. Right. And there's no wonder that people will refuse to do that because now people have something against them. My approach is a lot different. If, if my approach is to say in a gentle way to people that are supporting you and understanding that you're wanting to change and that you're not bad for being controlling or depressing or whatever, then you're able to express that in an internal framework and then be able to own it and ask, how does that make me feel? How does it make me feel to be controlling or to be depressing or to be whatever? And my honest self will tell me it doesn't feel good. So I have to choose to be something different. Yes. Start contorting yourself. Mm -hmm. So what happens is for most people, they'd rather be right than happy. They'd rather justify their depression on being a chemical imbalance or genetic or situation or whatever, instead of owning the fact that they're depressing. Mm. That false mask can be quite heavy. It's, it's incredible. And same thing with controlling. We go through this dialogue with, with people that are 
passively aggressive in a way controlling by saying, Oh, my, my wife is controlling because she orders my food for me at the restaurant and how we get from feeling and being controlled to being controlling takes some steps and explanation. When we start to understand that it makes a huge shift where somebody who feels controlled is projecting is judging somebody else when they internalize that feeling of judgment or sorry of control to them being controlling they start to realize that oh i'm getting control over my spouse by saying that they're controlling and that they're somehow a perpetrator and that's how i gain control by being a victim mm-hmm. and it's like holy crap and and when people are open which again yes, most that's people just are then they, they don't need to be controlling anymore. They don't need to be controlled anymore. Yeah, it's very freeing, very liberating. And as a bonus, we we can begin to heal. You say exactly. pain is purposeful, emotions serve a purpose. Either the emotion is bringing us toward our grand purpose or pushing us away from it, missing the mark, which is sin, which is a, an uh, archery term to miss the mark, to come from fear. And I love how in your book, you do make references to um, the Course in Miracles. It's something that I really relate to and resonate with. It's like coming from love or coming from fear. And um, I do think that this is really getting to the core of our challenges. Absolutely. It's, 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 It's that shift from making sin or a vice or a characterological flaw in you being bad, permanent, and pervasive, to being temporary, specific, and human. And when we can when we can accept that, and when we can move through the steps, then we can let go of that. And it, it's just beautiful. It's 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 just a remarkable process because what happens is people no longer need to label their condition. They no, no longer need to believe that their addiction is a disease. And they start to live their purpose. And this is when life can become heaven on earth and when we can start to experience more grace and ease and joy in our lives. So you say something radical towards the end of your book that I love so much. And to me, this is what puts it in a nutshell. We just have to choose God, the grand purpose. Tell me more about that. Well, I, I think we're all, we, we all have a purpose and that purpose is different for everybody. And when somebody accesses that purpose, the why and the how becomes easy to do the things that lead you to that purpose. And our quest to that purpose is often overshadowed by the addiction. And so it's a cycle that needs to be broken by believing and accepting the fact that we are all connected and that we all are here for a reason. And when we get to that point, then the baggage and the need to be right and the need to fight changes. We let it go. Yes, it's lifted. Correct. Be dissolved. And again, this is to me freedom. This is liberation. This is being empowered. This is living love. And our bodies will reflect 
those choices. As well as our relationships and our prosperity. So Dr. Cola Franceschi, we just have a couple of minutes left. Can you tell people where they can get a copy of your incredible book, The Grand Purpose, or get in touch with you? Yes, uh, it's being well-received in a lot of uh, small bookstores. It's in uh, chapters in Canada and uh, soon to be in Barnes & Noble in the U.S. It's available online and uh, through my website, thegrandpurpose.com. And uh, yeah, there's other books that are following. The, uh, there's a fasting guide, a water fasting guide, and a kitchen guide, and um, yeah, more work to come. I look forward to getting those books and getting you back on this show because I think you're a wealth of wisdom and I adore you and I respect you and I appreciate you and I just think you're amazing. Thanks, Doc. You keep up the great work, too. <laughs> We're living our purpose, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And it is grand. And as Dr. Cola Franceschi says, I know we are confident that you, too, have a very grand purpose. You have gifts, talents, and abilities that no one else in the world has. And as you say yes to your heart, to your soul, to love, to God, grace, clarity, ease, and the path God would have you walk for your highest good and the highest good of all concerned can be presented before you. So just know you are in my heart and my prayers as you continue to travel your journey. May you move forward with grace, ease, and joy as you celebrate the divine and unique aspect that you are of God. Be in touch, TammyBPhD.com. God bless you. I love you. Onward and upward. Bye for now. <laughs>